0: Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. We've handled this so great as a state that we want our college students to return to play football. You win win. Zim, you stepped out there you get what you get. Just have to accept that the Astros are bad guys. Okay, we can live with that. I don't give a damn what Trevor Lawrence has to say about playing. You ain't never did that wrong till you get caught. The Astros got caught, so they wrong. It's kind of like in prison. When guys go to prison, if you go to prison for certain crimes, you're gonna be judged when you get in there by people who A jack of two. And SWAC is looking at doing something quite incredible. Looking at doing
1: esports from a conference perspective, which hasn't really been heard of. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region.
2: Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once
3: again, our mighty ship is back on course.
0: Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh! Mama, there goes that man. You know. Oh! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad to be with you guys. What a wonderful, wonderful time because the NBA playoffs are going on and we have a great episode this time out. But first and foremost, hey, want to thank you for joining us. Don't know how you found us, but we are certainly glad that you have. And wanna remind you of a couple of things before we get started. First and foremost, subscribe, like, comment. All of those things are very, very important for us to get the word out, and to let the world know that you guys are feeling what you hear each and every episode. In addition to that, I want to remind you guys, you can go to the Wade's Word Productions.com website. That's where you can get all your info on D-Wade, past episodes, archived episodes, all stuff with uh, the Friday Express, all the other things that I'm involved with on that page. In addition to that, we'll have some editorials, we will have our we do have our NBA picks on the Sports talk. With devin wade editorial page i think you can find that very interesting when you see all the folks who had an opportunity to pick but when you go to the ways website be sure to subscribe so you can get emails so you can keep up with what's going on with us also on the sports line if you want to get involved 24 hours a day you certainly can 832-941-6614 leave a message on anything if you want to comment about past episodes have a question if there is feedback on a poll question any of those things we will get you involved in the podcast that way again 832-941-6614 and finally want to remind you guys on social media on facebook the sports talk with devin wade page and group and of course on Twitter at Wades Word. This time out, we have a fun, fun show as we talk some NBA basketball and get a preview of the NBA playoffs with our very own The Silver Fox, Kevin Allen. He's back and he'll break down, you know, he'll have his venom for the Los Angeles Lakers, I'm sure. Uh, But we'll get into an NBA preview, a playoff preview, which kicks off soon, and you'll want to hear what he has to say about that. In addition to that, get an opportunity to talk to former Hugh. Houston Oilers, Chris Dishman. You know I love my Oilers era. I mean that because again, a lot of that comes from the fact that that's when I first got started in media, covering those Oilers teams, and I've done a lot since then, but there was nothing like that team, the personalities in that locker room. You had four what, three four three Hall of Famers in that locker room three hall of famers in that locker room and a number of nfl legends and guys that uh, will be remembered for a long long time chris dishman is coming up in the second half of the show we have a wheat the people segment and we have our mix from our resident dj dj anarchy and as always we have a lamon award for the big dummy of the episode so we have a pack pack show so that being said let's get started let's get into some Headlines. Well, it's all about the NBA playoffs and what should be a very interesting social experiment. We're talking about playoff basketball without a home court advantage. All of these guys are in the bubble and they face the same sort of discomfort and adversity of being away from home. Normally, not only does the the crowd play into having a home court advantage, also when you go on the road, you're not sleeping in your bed. You're not used to your own creature comforts. You've traveled. And all, all the stuff that goes with that, all that stuff is eliminated, and it's just basketball without, I mean, you have some virtual fans, but not without real fans. So Kevin and I, the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen and I will talk about that, and I'm sure that he'll be on LeBron like he always is, um, but, again, it's some interesting stuff taking place. I mean, the end of that NBA bubble season was really fun, the last game that I saw. I mean, I didn't watch Friday's games because all of those things were pretty much determined. Everything went down to virtually uh, the last day in the bubble for the play-in. I think we may see that play-in. They may incorporate that moving forward. If you're within four games of the eighth spot, maybe there's a play-in. And again, it kept four teams involved on that last in that last few weeks of the season to see if they could get in. Otherwise, those teams would have been already. They would have packed it in already. So I think it added something really significant at the end of the year for the Spurs and for Phoenix and for Memphis. And then, of course, for the team that got in, Portland. Portland is in, and no one is hotter than Dame Lillard. Lillard was incredible the other night. In the last game, which was super entertaining, Karis LeVert and the Brooklyn Nets, if I can say it, the uh, Brooklyn Nets versus Portland, Portland uh, did that. Then the play in uh, actual series where Portland beats Memphis. I thought that was great. And I think we will see that again. Also, uh the coaching uh, casualties have already started to mount up. We've seen Jim Boylan in Chicago and Alvin Gentry in New Orleans. Uh, both of those guys were fired. And I said this and I tweeted this and you can give me your thoughts on this. I think that Zion could be through no fault of his own a coach killer i I really kind of think that he could be because the expectations are so high for this guy and you're already managing his minutes and he's already had significant health issues i just i don't know i just don't know i mean again if he is able to slim down and grow into his body whatever you have to do as a young man growing into manhood but we've never seen a guy this big have to go up and down and and the pounding of an NBA season. I don't know about his longevity, and I know that if you get in there and you have these expectations because of how exciting a player he is and he's not able to play – it will bog down your organization and it'll cost a couple coaches uh, their gigs. And, and Alvin Gentry was the first. Maybe I'm wrong. You can give me your thoughts on that. 832-941-6614. In uh, baseball, Astros, welcome back. Dan Alvarez, he came back with a bang. Uh, they're getting up to over 500. So maybe they can get it turned around. Some really nice young arms. Also, Zach Granke doing work. Lance McCullough's doing work. So for Houston folks. <laughs> and, and we talk a lot about the Astros. I, I, I talk national, but I do uh, talk more, a little bit more about the Houston Astros. And, and I just think that, you know, we'll see what happens if we can get through a whole season. We've seen more um, positive tests. It's uh, it's going to be rough. I, I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to get through this thing for an entire season. I mean, we've already seen significant disruptions of teams. Let's see if they can get through it. They're third of the way through now. So... We'll see what happens moving forward. College football, we more conferences. The Southland is postponed. And, uh, you know, again, I've not been the most positive person. If you're looking for Mary Sunshine as it pertains to college football, in, in the NFL for that matter, I'm just not sure. And at some point here in the next couple of weeks, we'll have to get serious about looking at the NFL season because, hey, they're going to move forward with it and no preseason so that there's no buildup and it's just a weird weird thing because i think for a lot of people around the in the media and stuff i don't think that they're really anticipating an nfl season i don't know maybe i'm wrong but you just don't see that same sort of excitement and anticipation of an nfl season and i don't i just don't know it's really really tough to say but coming up in the second half we'll talk to chris dishman who is uh Former NFL player, former coach with the XFL, one of the casualties of the the XFL folding, and uh, maybe we'll see a resurgence of that league. So a lot going on, uh, not a lot of optimism other than the NBA bubble, which, again, you cannot say enough about Adam Silver and the NBA for doing a bang-up job of getting this season off the ground in the bubble the way that they have without any real disruptions. What an amazing thing! Let's see if they can. And they still have a couple more months to go. <laughs> so we'll, it should get easier, though, as teams get eliminated. We've already seen the teams leave the bubble who who didn't make the playoffs. And with each passing week, week and a half, we'll see more teams go away. So with that, next up, time for we the people. In the We the People segment, we check the sports line, 832-941-6614. And we ask poll questions, sometimes on the website, sometimes on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page and fan page. This time out, let's check and see what's on the sports line.
3: Hey, what's going on, Devin? This is Parnell Harvey. I was just calling regarding a couple of the poll questions that you had on on the Facebook. And so, first of all, I think it's good that uh, the Rock and a group is buying the XFL. I mean, it's nice just to, since we haven't had a lot of sports, just to see some more variety come back in. And I thought it was a a league that could have had a chance. It was looking good at the onset, so I think that's a great thing. As far as the restart is concerned, I think the Raptors, uh, they're looking really good because uh, they have the pieces even without uh, Kawhi, with them going to the Clippers, but they have enough of the nucleus to where they can, uh, they can get it done, as opposed to the Rockets, even though they've had a great restart. But that small ball just ain't going to get it. I mean, it's too gimmicky. It's borderline Harlem Globetrotters, and it's not going to win over time. So, And no shade on the Globetrotters, cause, you know. But uh, I just don't think it's going to win enough. Uh, they're not, they're not going to be able to win enough to get it done. And I like the, the Bucks, Raptors in the East and the Lakers in the West. Thanks for taking my call.
0: Thanks, Pernell, for checking in. We certainly appreciate it. I had asked a question a little while ago about the XFL. We recently had Brian Michael Cooper, the former president of the Houston Roughnecks of the XFL. And uh, with the Rock buying that league, a lot of excitement around that, especially in certain markets, Houston, St. Louis, a couple others. I know folks are really excited about the return. We'll see what happens. Uh, per that conversation, it seems, uh, it seems exciting, but a very challenging set of circumstances circumstances for the xfl to try to resume in 2021 with that being said pernell also talked about the toronto raptors a team i really like and i picked to win the east before the bubble and i still think that they will win the eastern conference in addition to that the rockets i don't think i mean it's gimmicky for sure some people are buying into it but essentially it starts to boil down to what is always boiled down to with that small lineup you can create mismatches if you're hitting threes versus so, so here's, here's the setup. So they know that they're deficient in the low post and I give PJ Tucker a lot of, a lot of credit. I think he can make things a little bit uncomfortable for some of the bigs. Not he can't stop anybody in the low post because you just you're not going to stop consistently an Anthony Davis or a Jokic. You're not going to stop those guys in, in the low post against with a guy the size of PJ Tucker. So they're trading their perimeter three point mismatches that are created with going small ball, saying that these big guys can't guard the perimeter. And you're betting against that, uh, those threes versus the twos that you'll sacrifice on the defensive end. And so analytically, there's a formula in there. I don't know what it is, but they think that, and again, if they get hot, they can beat somebody on a given night. Conversely, they can lose to anybody on a given night if they're not hitting their perimeter shots. Because you know they're not going to be much offensive rebounding. So so you sacrifice – so I guess you just boiled it down to the basic facts. If we can hit from – we're a three-point shooting team. If we can hit, we win. If we can't, we lose. And obviously, it's not always three-pointers because you do have a Russell Westbrook win healthy that can drive and create same thing with Harden. Harden can score anywhere on the floor. And so it's not totally that, but it's almost its purest form of, hey, we're outside the shooting team. If we hit, we win. If we don't, we lose. There's no plan B. <laughs> and so there you have it. With that amount, I asked you guys on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page, who would win the West? Gave you several choices, but 44% of you said the Los Angeles Clippers would win the Western Conference. 33% of you guys said the Lakers. And still, 23% of folks said the Houston Rockets would win the west and again that's a lot of hometown cooking so that, that, that tells you where we are geographically where we come from and the basis and the origin of uh, of the show uh on the eastern conference side asked you guys again who would win the east 67 percent said the toronto raptors which that's my team everybody's getting on board with them and 33 percent said the milwaukee bucks and finally i asked you guys which team was most likely to be upset The Lakers 85% of you guys said the Lakers were most likely to be upset in the first round. The Toronto Raptors 15%. So everybody's believing that Portland maybe can make it a series and make something happen. So, We'll have to see how those things transpire as we're just a little ways away from the start of the NBA playoffs in the bubble. With that, going to take a time out, come back on the other side with our conversation with the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen. For more content, go to WaveWordProductions.com.
2: Well, if you get me out this bubble, I'll be all right.
0: <laughs> how you? How you liking the bubble? I'll say this: it's it's been much more successful than I thought it would be, and, and we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Michael Conley left today uh, for Utah. His wife is having a baby, so he's leaving for the birth of his child. But by and large, no COVID cases. I mean, this has been amazing. What do you think?
2: no it's it's a great deal that the nBA has come up with a great idea. uh it's really it was a lot of thought process that went into it. but once you have it, it's pretty easy because you have everybody under one roof.
0: The competition, in a lot of ways, wasn't what I thought it would be. Once the Lakers clinched the number one spot in the West, they kind of uh, they pulled their foot off the gas a little bit and then couldn't really kind of get going. Rockets, a team like that, 4-4. Four and four. Conversely, a team like Phoenix, 8-0 and o in their bubble stay. The competition, in some ways, except for the last few teams to get in, wasn't what I thought it would be.
2: Well, looks to me, I, I, I liked it, everything. Play it out the way it is, you know, that it always does coming down the stretch. Once you get in, you start resting players, getting them healthy and things of that nature. So pretty much you were down the stretch on the final eight games under the bubble. So, you know, once the Lakers clinched what they needed to do, then you send LeBron and play them less minutes, things like that. So pretty much the same thing, but the eight games is what got us.
0: Yeah, well, like I said, it's been fun to watch. Couple teams that stood out to me. You talk about Phoenix. You talk about the Brooklyn Nets. They've been really exciting to watch. What other teams that stood out to you that you saw and you like? Whoa, this this team is looking good.
2: Well, you, you have the Brooklyn Nets that are that are, that are not a, a bad basketball team. They just don't have that star right now. You have to remember they have DeAndre Jordan sitting out, Kyrie Irving out. Kevin Durant isn't healthy. So once you you start thinking about, you know, hey, we're going to get these guys back into the fold next basketball season, then you can really look at, hey, they're going to be a really, really uh, formidable team to, to, to reckon with. So, you know, they're, they're going to be right in the mix.
0: How good is Kavaris Levert? Because he looked, he, I mean, in the times that I've really watched him, he looked really, really nice.
2: But he he's not new to the scene. You know, Levert has done this for a while now, but you know, you just don't have, he's just that, not that star because Brooklyn hasn't been in the playoff hunt, but he's been doing this and the NBA players know who this guy is. So now since you, you were seeing him on the ball, when he's getting more television time, now people are beginning to realize who he is. He, you got a lot of players in the NBA like that. You got to see Devin Booker really put on a show and, Phoenix wasn't that great, but they got hot at the end, and now he's getting more and more publicity. So you got some NBA younger guys out there, you know, but you have your Durants and your Currys and your LeBrons that get all of the the ink. But right. these
0: guys can really play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know Denwitty in, in Brooklyn, and I mean, I know that team won a lot of games and did some good things. And then a lot of guys didn't come to the bubble, and, and you didn't think that they do right. so well. But they uh, they played really, really well. been really entertaining to watch. And that uh, brings us to the first matchup: a two seven in the Eastern Conference. Do you think they can compete with the Toronto Raptors in, in the opening round of the playoffs?
2: Well, you know, anything can happen right now the way that this bubble has been going. So, you know, they they have some players that can score the basketball, and both of those teams play really good defense. So I'm looking for it to be a a more competitive series than a lot of people is making it out to be. Uh, You know, right now Brooklyn is playing pretty good. Toronto is playing pretty good. They have a lot of young, good, good players. Toronto, I, I give them a lot of credit with Coach Nick Nurse and also the Zara uh, Jury, the GM, for doing a great job with Toronto to have you right back in the fold after losing Kawhi Leonard and winning an NBA championship, and you're right back as a threat to get right back to the finals again. But I'm just, I think it's going to be a uh, more competitive series than a lot of people think.
0: Let's go to the top seed, Milwaukee, opening round. What do you think they'll do against what Orlando to open up the the Eastern Conference playoffs?
2: I think they'll they'll go ahead and take care of Orlando, but uh, I was really high on Milwaukee. But after watching them, I start seeing some, some chinks in the armor of of how to defend uh, Giannis on the Chapuco. But, you know, but with a guy like that, you know, you have him on your team. You know, I'm picking him
0: to win now. Let's go to the Philadelphia 76ers against Boston. You know, that team, you lose Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid has been banged up. What do you think about Philadelphia right now?
2: I'm not liking them, but... uh,
0: In that opening round versus Boston, who you you got?
2: I'm going to take Boston in that series. Uh, With Jason Tatum and and, and, my guy Brown, uh, I think they're just a little bit too deep for Philly. Philly's got some things going on, and I think Coach Brown with Philadelphia, he'll be that second coach to get fired.
0: I think the... I'll take Boston in that series as well, but I think the most intriguing opening round series, I think the Brooklyn-Toronto series may may be really entertaining, although I think The last time I saw Brooklyn, obviously, was in a shootout against Portland, and Portland doesn't play a lot of defense. I think uh, that will be an entertaining series, but I think the most intriguing series in the Eastern Conference is Miami versus Indiana. You know, the P.J. Warren, uh, Jimmy Butler beef that they're trying to, you know, sort of get to quail down a little bit. What do you think of that series?
2: That's going to be a good one. And – I think Indiana has done really well fighting and getting through some things right now, with you losing an all-star with Sabonis. So they don't have him in, in the mix right now. So right now it's a lot of people that doesn't have certain players that, that are not there. Uh, Miami is, you know, Bam Adebayo, uh, Jimmy Butler.
0: So with those the Redone guys. They, hero, uh hero is doing uh... – some work.
2: yeah he, he's doing he's doing well as, you know as well with miami but that's gonna be a good series with indiana and and, and miami that's gonna be a hard
0: hard one to pick i'm gonna take that's, indiana. To me, that was up in the air i'll go with indiana <laughs> i'm not picking on that one that one's gonna be a good one. <laughs> that's gonna be a good one okay yeah that i look forward to to one that, that one is about as even as you can get well, you know, and, and talking about sort of the bubble MVPs, I think Dame Lillard clearly is the bubble MVP, but P.J. Warren was a guy that did work. Uh, Devin Booker was a guy that did work in the bubble. Who stood out to you in the bubble these past eight games?
2: You had your, your usual suspects. Paul George did well. Uh, in Oklahoma City, you had Chris Paul that did really well. So you had but with Damian Lillard and those guys. They just really really you know fire got lit on them and they kind of stood out but you still had some guys that played good basketball
0: let's go over to the Western Conference and make our picks over there when you look at uh, the top seed obviously the Lakers Lakers hadn't really played well and you have the hottest team aside from Phoenix the hottest team remaining in the or that went to the play remaining in the playoffs I guess in, in uh, Portland is this a series, or is this a lot of hype? I, mean, I know that Vegas really has uh, the Lakers as a prohibited favorite. I mean, so the money's still coming in on the Lakers, but a lot of hype is around Portland. Who do you see? How do you see that that playing out? How many games can Portland win? Portland can't
2: win that series. Now, they, as far as the defense and things like that, kind of open your eyes at, when you don't play that kind of defensive team like the Lakers can get rolling and shots can start falling for some of the other guys. So, you know, that's one of the scary things that can happen because, you know, that they don't play that stellar defense, but they have so many scores on the other end that they can take it to the wire in a shootout. And then it's pretty much whoever has the ball last or win that particular basketball game. If I'm picking an upset, this is the one that I'm taking. I ain't getting the one.
0: So you think that the Portland has a legit chance to to pull the ultimate upset, huh?
2: Now, what I look at in that series, it's going to be tough for Portland to guard LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It's going to be really tough to guard those guys. But then, on the other hand, it's going to be tough for the Lakers to guard Damian Lillard and C.J. McCallum because you really don't have anybody that can stay in front of those guys. Danny Green, I think, has seen some of his better years behind him. Uh, He still tries to get after you like that, but I think he's missing a step now. You call Pope and Caruso, they're going to have their hands full trying to guard those guys. And and now that Portland, it, it was scary because they had a lot of people out. Nurkic was out. Zach Collins was out. Has a couple of other players out, and they have them all back now. So they're big with Nurkic and Whiteside. You have another score with Carmelo Anthony. Gerson, Jr. can score the basketball. So you got a lot of different people that can score. Zach Collins give you some size and some different things that he can do. So Portland can cause you some problems. And with LA, you really they're searching for that third score consistently so you know Anthony Davis and LeBron is going to score for you. I don't but Davis. Davis, be Davis has been up guy? and
0: down though in the bubble. I don't know if he can. You think he just flipped that switch and give you what you need every night because he hadn't during these eight games.
2: Well, I don't think he's been up and down. He's been playing.
0: I mean, uh, points wise, good. he hadn't been. He hadn't put up the points that every night that you know you think that you can count on him having. Davis, the last few games, he had twenty seven eight. Seventeen, nine, and forty-two. So he's he been kind of all over the place.
2: One game, uh, Davis got hit in the eye, and he didn't play. I mean, I mean, he, he's going to be there. I mean, he he's the leading scorer on the Lakers team, so he you know he's your number one scorer on your basketball team. So he he's going to be right there. But if that third guy that is, is who's going to give it to. He would it be Kuzma, Danny Green? You know, is it going to be Deion Raiders? So you're searching for that other guy, and that's what's kind of hurting the Lakers a little bit. I think that I think if the upset, I think this eight can get a one.
0: Let's go to the number two seed, the team that is uh, a lot of people feel will win the entire thing, the Los Angeles Clippers. Kawhi is a reigning champ, although he did it with Toronto and not the Los Angeles Clippers. They have an exciting opponent when you talk about Luka Doncic and uh, and, and also uh, Porzingis and some of the other guys on that team that do work. Uh, Dallas, uh, what do you think? Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. He's
2: going to be a good series. Dallas has, you know, they have the electrifying Luca Doncic that does some amazing things for the Dallas Mavericks that can really get them going. He's big enough. He can shoot the basketball. He can get in the lane and cause havoc. He can he can drop it off to you. So he's gonna give you some problems. Uh he he's gonna be some problems for a long, long time. And Christoph Parzingas, you know, this is his first year playing with Luka Doncic, so he's going to only get better, and his confidence is getting sky high. You have Tim Hardaway Jr. that can score the basketball. Dallas can score the basketball with the best of, so they won't have any problems scoring, but I think the Clippers are just a little bit deeper in these kind of matchups, getting uh, Montrezl Howe back. You, you have Lou Williams back. Patrick Beverly will be back. So you got all of these guys back in the fold going, you know, with the Clippers. So uh, Doc Rivers, I think Doc really needs to want to win another championship in order to solidify himself as a good coach.
0: Well, yeah, well, as a great coach. I mean, obviously he's a good coach and with, with some of the stuff he's done around the NBA. But how long do you think it'll take Montrez? I mean, the whole team hadn't played together. With Harrell, with Lou Williams, who only played a couple games, with Beverly. Like, how do do you think – because Montrez hadn't been working out with the team until, what, this last week maybe. Do you think it's going to take them a while chemistry-wise or do you think they can pick up where they left off in March?
2: I think Montrez and Harrell fits right in because he's an energy guy. It doesn't take for him to be in a rhythm to score because he gets his off of the rebound, off of the fast break – And then he'll score a little bit inside as opposed to, say, if you are a rhythm shooter on the outside, Montrezl Harrell is that hustle guy. So he can get back in rhythm like that. Now we'll have to check his stamina and things like that because he hasn't been out there. But other than that, you know, he's a veteran. He's been around, so he can fit right in. And Lou Williams is back in the mix now. He's played in a few games, so he, he didn't really miss too many. I think that getting him back in rhythm, doing that, and uh, Reggie Jackson is in there that can score the basketball well. Doc Wilkins just go up and down that bench, and and, and see who's who, who's going to have a hot hand. So you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George is right there, and, and 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 with Kawhi Leonard, he's won in San Antonio, he's won in Toronto, and he's now he's looking to win one with his third team.
0: A really fun and entertaining series should be. Utah versus Denver. Denver is a team, I don't... Do you think they're just under the radar? I think they can get there. I think when Murray and Jokic playing that that two-man basketball, I think, man, that that team can... And and then Porter's been playing crazy in the bubble. I think Denver can possibly make a run to the NBA championship. What do you think of that Denver-Utah series?
2: Denver will win that one pretty handily. So I'm looking... That one not to to go, you know, to the maximum. That one won't be too intriguing for me. Denver will win next year's.
0: Now, uh, then you get to Houston. Houston four and four in the bubble and will be without Russell Westbrook. They say for a cup at least a couple games, but probably maybe not this entire series. What do you think about the Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder? What do you think about that series?
2: That one's going to be really, really good and real entertaining. But I think without Russell Westbrook, they lose a lot. They're going to lose that energy level with Russell Westbrook. He brings that, that just that toughness to the basketball team. I think they're going to miss that. Now, you know, James Harden during the playoffs, This is his time of year where, you know, you you throw up that question mark. (laughs) Can you continue? Yeah, can you continue what you've done through the regular season, you know, throughout the playoffs? Because this is what separates the good from the great, (laughs) you know. Now, as far as him scoring in the regular season, there's nobody like him. But your elite guys keep that same level throughout the playoffs, not just one series. They're going to do it throughout the playoffs, through the finals. And this is something that we haven't seen James Harden do that really puts him in the elite company of the greatest to play. So, you know, scoring during the regular season, yeah, but can he keep that same intensity and that same scoring level up in the playoffs?
0: It seems like uh, Mike D'Antoni is going to be gone either way, but I would imagine if they lose in this opening round, he's for sure gone. Is there anything he can do short of winning an NBA final To keep his job, he's got to win the NBA championship. (laughs) (laughs) Not even a not even a finals appearance.
2: (laughs) You have to remember he didn't get an extension last year. Remember he's playing out his contract. So the only way he he can be saved is the NBA championship and not just the finals. He's got to win it.
0: (laughs) So you think if they got to the finals, he still will lose his job? (laughs) <laughs> he's
2: out of there. I if think he get to the finals.
0: If he's, he's safe. Devin,
2: if he doesn't win the NBA championship, and if he loses in one of those series, before he gets to the locker room, they'll be handing him the pinks.
0: <laughs> is that deserved, Is or is it Daryl Morey's fault? Well, how do you see? Because I'm not as hard on him as, as a lot of people are. I think for the most part, they couldn't get over Golden State, but who could? Nobody could, you know, except in the NBA Finals. I'm not as hard on them. I just don't see what they could have done much, much better. They made moves. They brought in Paul. They brought in Westbrook. They've done things. They just, is it, what, what do you see the problem is with the Rockets? To me,
2: the problem is, I'm not saying it's James Harden, but it's the type of basketball that they play. You, you're not going to win an NBA title with the, with the offense the Rockets run, and then you don't play defense. And everywhere you have to you have to look, and that's where I always say, Devin. I always use the term, the body of work. When you look at the body of work, he hasn't completed his task. Can he get? Is he a great offensive mind? Yes, but then during the playoffs, you have some great defensive minds, and you never win the big one. You you. You build the team and get it to a certain level, and you can't get past that. Now, as an owner, do I just want to stay there or do I want to get better and win it? I want to win it, but if I see that you can't get past a certain level, i got to make a change.
0: So you, are you getting, you, you getting rid of the GM, too? You're getting rid of him No. Um,
2: well, no, I, I give me another coach.
0: So you keep Murray and then you, you fire Tony?
2: Yeah, I fire
0: Okay, well, we've already – Tony, but you have to –
2: Look at it, Van Tony, everywhere he's gone, has he ever won an NBA championship?
0: Right, no. right.
2: He's never won. And, right. and and when you look at his, his body of work, everywhere he's gone, it's, it's just like rock. Right, because I'm going to bill you the score, and we're going to be exciting, but this is all we're going to do. But as a owner, is that what you want? No, you want to eventually win it. So you got to make a change. If you look at it then and all the basketball people out there, you never see James Harden come off pick. You never see him him set a screen and come off of something. You never see him make cuts to get the basketball. All he do, he bring the ball up, and it's just one-on-one. You never see him do any of those things in a basketball game. Your great players, they post up. They come off a screens, They come off the pitch, They come off the elbow. They shoot it. I mean, he... There is no plays for him like that. What are they going to do? You're not going to
0: win. What is he going to do this series when they throw double teams at him, especially without Westbrook and Eric Gordon coming back? And I mean, you only have guys like uh, – I mean, I like what Covington has done in the in the bubble, but I don't know, you know, long term. And Austin Rivers has had a, a couple breakout games. What do you think that he'll do once they throw bodies at him to try to get the ball out of his hands? He's
2: going to play the game the right way and get it to the open person. He's going to do that. He's smart. He's a smart basketball player now. Uh, there's no question about that. So he, he's going to make the right basketball play. But if I'm, but see, this is what I'm saying about D'Antoni. If I'm going to run this type of defense, then I can stop that. I'm going to run two at him, and everybody else has to beat me. Right. And those players in basketball, if they, if they have never been put in that type of situation, I'm, I'm going to put them in it in order to to beat
0: me. Well, I want to ask you before we get out of here about the the tremendous run of the San Antonio Spurs since nineteen ninety seven. First time they missed the playoffs, and it came down to the last day. I mean, it was down to the last day whether they would play in that play in series. What do you think about the run the Spurs have had since nineteen ninety
2: seven? Well, that's a class act. If you look at Coach Popovich and 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 the upper management and owners, to me, they're a class act. I think in, in some of the situations that i said on the sports talk show with their Wade that sometimes you have to be lucky because at one point the Spurs were bad and they got David Robinson. Then they came back and they got Tim Duncan, and those were through the drafts. And both of those were number one overall picks. And then you get a Tony Parker and you get a Manu Ginobili. So now when you get those type of players, you're set up for a long time. And then you, you can just plug people in like a Bruce Bowen, a Danny Green, a Patty Mills, different guys like that. So now you, you can, you can stay at the top and you can always make the playoffs and, and that lets you know the great job that they do. And I, and I, and if you really look at it, I think he's grooming Becky Hammond for the next job because he, he lets her do a lot of things on that, on with that, with that team.
0: Well, that would be historic and uh, history-making, so we'll have to check that out. Let me just recap here the the series picks here. You're picking – you you never say – are you you picking Portland to win that series versus the Lakers? I just said said that's the upset. So, okay, so you're going with Portland. I'll go with Los Angeles. Uh, the two-seed Clippers, we both take the Clippers. We both take Denver. And I guess we both take Oklahoma City without Russell Westbrook. If he doesn't come back, I'm taking Oklahoma City. Who are you taking? I'm
2: taking Oklahoma City as well.
0: And uh, uh, that's, that's it for the West. In the East, uh, Milwaukee we think will win the opening yep. round. Toronto, Brooklyn, I think we both said Toronto. Right, we both said Boston, right over Philadelphia because they're and I did and not lose. pick an
2: Indiana,
0: Miami. Yeah, you should have picked. I'm <laughs> picking. I'm picking Indiana to win that. Auto Butler. Butler's talking a good game, and I know he's going to bring it. You, you know Butler.
2: what? I'm, I'm I'm taking Miami with Jimmy
0: Butler. You know why I'm taking Jimmy Butler? Why is that? I love that commercial. Which one? He's in so many. Which one is this one? The the the. the, the uh, the Michelob commercial.
2: I'll take a Jimmy. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, look, how can folks reach you on social media if they want to hook up and, <laughs> and complain about your picks?
2: Oh, man. Hey, they can always hit me on Facebook, Kevin Allen. They can catch me on, uh, what is that, Allen, Allen, Ron, 10. Yeah, Allen, Allen, Ron,
0: 10. A-L-L-E-N, A-L-L-E-N-R-O-N, the number 10 on Twitter. Exactly. Yeah, they
2: can catch me there. So, I'm I'm there. Uh, I, I go live after the game, so I make sure I do that now. So, they, they, they so is it me, just so. going
0: to be the Lakers you go after or are you going to go after the Rockets game? Because the Rockets play Tuesday, so do the Lakers. <laughs> when, when, well, are, are you going to go every day? What are you going to do?
2: I'm going every day after the last game.
0: Okay. So, we're looking for you at about 10.30 Central Time. Level. And you know
2: what? i tell you what. I'm going... Every day after the last game, and then I'm going after every game after seven p.m. It, it, I'm going live. I tell you what, make it easy. I'm going. I'm going live after every game that ends after seven p.m.
0: Well, hey, you're gonna be busy this week then. That's it, hey. <laughs> well, we'll see you Saturday morning, and we appreciate you like always. Go Clippers. <laughs> Our guy, the Silver Fox, with his predictions. Of course, you can comment on any of that. 832-941-6614. With that, going to take a time out here from our sponsor, CoBank Homes. Also, from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And on the other side, former Houston Oiler, Chris Dishman, will join us to talk about the good old days and uh, what's going on these days and in the future as it pertains to football. And, of course, we have the Lamont Award for the big, dummy of the episode. It's the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast.
3: Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams.
0: back to the sports talk with Devin Wade podcast and no that is not me beatboxing although i, I was okay i wasn't I, I was the rapper i was not the uh, the beatboxer we had big whitney who did beatbox for us and then roy roy did uh, roy C did our our beatboxing and yeah that's that's what we did back in the day And Mr. Hatch's wood shop that's when you actually had wood shop in school so instead of making things I made rhymes, yes, back in the day. Nonetheless, welcome back. Our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy on The Mix. want to remind you guys, if you have music for the podcast that you'd like heard from the thousands and thousands of folks who check us out, hit me up at music at Productions.com. Submit it, and as long as it's radio edit or relative radio edit, we'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an entire track at the end of the podcast. So, music at wayswordproductions.com. Genre does not matter. With that, a couple things. Big week for HBCUs. I have not mentioned Kamala Harris. I haven't done my political stuff. You know it's on my mind. If you watch my, my Twitter timeline, you know I, I tweet quite frequently about uh, political things. But congratulations to Howard University. Kamala Harris, a candidate who I endorsed in the primaries after I gave her money. See, I I say that. I donated money to her campaign, like I'm a baller or something. It wasn't a lot of money. It was more a symbolic gesture to try to get her to the Iowa caucuses. Well, she never did. She didn't make it there, but now she'll make it to the White House. Pending Russian intervention. And by the way, let me say this. I don't know why or how, but I have been getting a lot of hits from Russia lately. I'm looking at my analytics. We have a lot of hits, an inordinate amount of hits from Russia, so I don't know what's going on there. I can't speak to that. I don't know what the situation is with that, but that's not a. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. But uh, we certainly don't have any protect protection from uh, the White House if they're trying to intervene or hack my podcast. But uh, conversely, if I have fans in Russia, hey, welcome aboard. And if you want me, hey, I will come. I've had caviar. I could come do caviar and vodka in a podcast from the Kremlin. <laughs> I could come kick it with y'all. You pay for my expenses. In my room, you won't see what you saw in Trump's room. <laughs> so that's a, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But with that, let's transition and hear from our guy Chris Dishman. Now, I got started as a reporter in the early 90s, and he was on those teams. And uh, one of the guys uh, who was always accommodating. Him, Bubba, Haywood, um, I, a lot of guys. Most of the guys were really accommodating and would, would take time to talk to you. It wasn't a problem even for a young guy like myself. And, again, I'm a native Houstonian, so those are, those are my team. Even more so than the Texans, the Oilers reflected the city more than the Texans reflect Houston. So the Oilers were more of a Houston team than the Texans are. But, again, I'm older Maybe I'm caught in that time. But that was a great, great time. That, at that point, you could really have different types of relationships with the players. They weren't as on guard. And it it was a different time. It wasn't the, the animus with every me- media member that it can be in modern sports. And these guys, like I said, they grow up knowing exactly what to say. Back then, hey, guys, say whatever was on their mind. And because of that, that was the best time ever to cover Houston sports. It was incredible. And we had a few audio problems with our conversation with him. Uh, but bear with us. Uh, I, we, we ha- I think he's in Florida. I think we just had a little bit of a bad connection. We – you know, so bear with that and get through that, because there's a lot of great information in there. And here's our conversation with Chris Dishman. Chris Dishman, a Houston favorite. How are you this afternoon? I'm
1: doing good. D, and you How things going,
0: man. Great. Just trying to stay out of the way, stay healthy. Uh, like you, I'm in one of the epicenters of the country as it pertains to covid. How are you managing things during this pandemic?
1: Wearing my mask, washing my hands, coming in, going immediately to the bathroom, wash my hands, take my shower, wearing my gloves in the stores. Uh, even if we go to Walmart or the HEBs or the Publix or whatever, I'm wearing gloves. You know, it's just because I know they say in the baskets are sanitized, but I still like to have my gloves. In.
0: How are you finding things in, in Florida? Are people observing uh, those safety measures in general?
1: Uh, it's just like everyone else. We have some that do and there's some that don't. And the ones that don't who wanna to trying to use it as a political matter instead of health matter. And that's what people to understand and it's not political, it's not Democrat Republicans, it's health.
0: It's no doubt. Health reasons. I wanted to talk to you because you came from that era which was a renaissance of Houston football and of course I'm talking about the Houston Oilers days and for me personally that's when I got started as a a young kid running around the locker room and you were always accommodating with all the media not the least of which was me but let's start by talking about those days in Houston and what it meant to play for the Houston Oilers at that time.
1: Oh, it was it was a great time, and I loved playing for Houston. I wish I could have finished my career out as a Oiler, you know, but right now I'm, I am feel like I'm lost in limbo, you know. So that's the only thing to start is that I, I didn't finish my career out as an ruler. Uh you know, a Houston Oiler, not a Tennessee Titan, not a Tennessee Oiler. Uh, Houston and and that's and that's what I wish could
0: happen. Yeah, and you know what? And I talked to a lot of your former teammates, and they feel exactly the same way. Haywood always talks about that. He was like, you know, we don't have a place to like go, and and for a while he was an ambassador for the Texans, but it wasn't it wasn't really the same. So you guys, I, I was always saying like, well, the Texans ought to have like a homecoming weekend to honor you guys, but I mean, that's a different organization, different ownership. And when you talk to your former teammates, do you guys all share the same sentiment when? It comes to stuff like that
1: yeah we do because you know it's it's nice of the texans to do that but we're not texans uh all our history is with the nashville Oilers, but we never played in nashville so we have history with one team and one team is honoring you and you don't have history with one and have history with the other team
0: but it's
1: it's it's weird but that's how life goes and you just have to keep on growing
0: Yeah, so, you know, I know that your travels, you lived in Houston, you've traveled, I'm sure, to Houston quite a bit. And the the love seems to still be there for those guys in a way that is really special. When people talk about the Oilers, there is a nostalgia there. And you would think that, you know, this team won four or five Super Bowls, but this was just a a Houston team. Talk a little bit about your fan interactions when you do come across uh, Oilers fans.
1: Well, it's very refreshing to still see Oilers fans after all these years. I think Miss Amy do a great job of trying to, once a year now, have an a reunion. We couldn't have it this year because of the COVID-19, but it was already set and was going to happen. But I think she do a good job of trying to get everyone back together. The fans constantly hit me up on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter talking about the Houston Oilers, Love You Blue, days, sending me pictures of Jersey and all that. It's refreshing to see that so many people out there still love the Houston Oilers, and still think about the Houston Oilers.
0: Now I want to ask you, I want to get into some coaching and some other things, but one or two more things on sort of that era. For me and for a lot of folks, you personified sort of the – resurgence of the oilers that came really under glanville glanville sort of brought this team back and it it seems like nobody personified that personality the way you did and you seemed to thrive under him and and that's one thing you really kind of took off that house of pain and all of those things talk a little bit about your emergence during that era when the oilers were really bouncing back from some really really rough years
1: it's a blessing to have a guy like Coach Glennville that I still keep in contact with as of today who had so much faith and trust and belief in me. Mike Holovack and uh, the uh, general manager, and all those guys who drafted me gave me a chance. I, had, I was fortunate to have Nick Saban as one of my position coaches who gave me a great foundation as to go into defensive back. And then I had some great defensive back coach, after Coach Saban, Pat Thomas, Rod Perry, Tom Bettis. All those guys was my DB coaches there with the Houston Oilers, and, and all of them brought, gave me something, something to, as drills, some drills or some knowledge of the game that I still teach and use as of today as I coach. So it was just an error back then that everyone that was cocky or well, really wasn't cocky, was very confident. So we, had a, we had a squad. We had guys on the bench that probably could have went to another team and start and play and make it to the Pro Bowl. We just they we've had so much backup. Our offensive of line had a who's who across the board, with Bruce Mack, Mike Munchak, you know, Jay Pennison. You can keep on and on and on, and then you get into the new—the uh, new era with Brad Hopkins. He played a couple of years there, and Jeff Ohm and you know, the defensive—they go to the defensive line. you have Jeff Ohm, Sean Jones, William Fuller, Doug Smith, who was the unsung hero of all. Was probably one of uh, one of the best athletes on the team was Doug Smith, even though he was three hundred and thirty something pounds.
0: Yeah, you were deep across the board. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, really, and then not, you didn't even mention the receiving core. So I mean, well, <laughs> with I was, those divas,
1: what yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, I was I was mentioning the line first, and then you had, and then our, our running backs. We we had Alan Pinkett, Mike Rozier, Lorenzo White, and Gary Brown in a one set offense, a one back offense. So we had guys that was just sitting and waiting to play.
0: One of the things I say about you is that because you embraced the the, the sort of the villain role, that you didn't get the, the love around the league that you should have gotten. Do you feel like because you were all about your team and nothing else, you didn't care what the next man thought, that you kind of, your reputation, you didn't get to Pro Bowls that you should have gotten to, you didn't get the accolades that you should have gotten to, you shouldn't have gotten because you embraced the bad guy sort of role for the Oilers.
1: Well, it's, it's funny you say that because, um, as I have a different business adventures there in Houston, and different things here. People always tell me that uh, they always thought I was mean. And I'm like, I'm far from mean, <laughs> you know, I thought I was an ass, but I've told them I'm far from being an ass. What I did on the field is what I did on the field. But I don't take on the field, off the field. And I I hear that a lot. People say, oh, I I always thought you would be mean. You're you're a very nice person. And I was like, well, I try to be as uh, nice as possible. But I I didn't really care about what other people thought or think about me. And I really still don't. And I know it's maybe sounding a little harsh, but it's like, as long as I can sleep at night, I'm great with it.
0: Did I'm you think that good. that led to your your success on the field, is just that you 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 were about it and you didn't give a damn?
1: Well, it, it's it's about loyalty. I'm, I'm big in loyalty. I'm big in, in in friendship. I'm big in commitment. And once I make a commitment, and once I'm loyal to that to that person or to that entity, then I'm gonna stick it through no matter what. You know, <laughs> and that's what I was always taught as a young child to stick it through. My mom and dad engraved that loyalty commitment been honest been open uh engraved that in me as a young child and, and carried over as, uh, as an adult
0: of course uh, people in this area generally they have those fond memories of you as an oiler but of course you went on to play in washington and minnesota you you your career went on what was that latter part of your career like after you got away from sort of all of the passion of uh, the Oilers fans and the, of the city of Houston?
1: Um, you know, I, I had uh, some good career, uh, years after that, but I was always an Oiler at heart. Even though I was with Washington Redskins, I was always an oilers at heart, and that's the loyalty. And that's one of the reasons why I couldn't go to Nashville. And I'm so glad my contract was up. And even though I had a chance to sign with the Tennessee Oilers, or, or I think they was called their names at the time, uh, I didn't feel right. I didn't feel like I felt like I, I was betraying the the people of Houston because they opened their arms to me so much and it was there for me in so many ways that I felt like I was betraying the people of Houston and I could not go to another city because it wasn't my choice. First of all, and play for a team called the Tennessee Oilers and, and Houston Oilers don't have and the, the city of Houston does not have a football team. You're talking about the number one. Uh, city in the in the world as far as high school football you know i tell people all the time that football down in texas is where it's at you know the high school level the college level and uh, the pro level it's where it's at if you if you really love football you need to come to a high school football game in texas and see you know and that's what i just felt i felt like i was betraying the people of houston so that's why i am going to Washington.
0: You of course you played for one of the all-time great defensive coaches in the history of uh, of the NFL, and talking about Buddy Ryan, although it was, it was not a, for a long time, but uh, you had an opportunity to play for him. What what did you learn from him personally? What what kind of because again he's a Hall of Fame coach and he's one of the greats as far as you know inventing the forty six and and all of the things that he did in the sport of football. What what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, buddy taught me to master your craft. He always taught me to work on something that I didn't think that I was good at. To work on mastering your craft to be the best and not just talking about it, actually going out and working on it. Watching more film, studying your opponent, knowing your opponent better than you know yourself. Knowing, having a book, keeping a book on the receivers and studying offensive coordinators. You know, he took me beyond studying offensive coordinators, not just studying people on the field. 'Cause they always say offensive coordinators does not change. They may tweak something here or there, but they won't change it. And that's what I started doing in my later years is really, really studying the offensive coordinators of what they do on third and six, third and third and six and plus. Uh that pretty much tell what they do. What are they gonna do on the first play of each game? On the first play of each quarter. You know, do they repeat plays? So I was getting I was getting offensive coordinators and getting patterns down and that made the game a lot easier for me. Because I was in I was always playing the situation before the situation happened on the field.
0: So you went into coaching after your your NFL career, uh, talk a little bit about going from player to coach and, and what that experience has been like for you.
1: Well it it was great. You know, I I um when I retired in two thousand I actually took some years off, I followed the rodeo circuit. You know, I'm big into horses, cutting horses. I followed the rodeo circuit there. And in Houston, then I started training guys. And in 2005, I started coaching. My first coaching job was Berlin Thunder, NFL Europe. Went over there. My fact, I called Charlie Castley at the time, who was a GM there with the uh, Texans, and told him I wanted to get into coaching. And they had this program called NFL Europe. He connected with some people, and I went over to... Berlin Thunder was my first coaching job, and I went to coaching I got the coaching bug and loved it, and ever since then, I went from NFL Europe, came back to the States, and had a Division Three job there in Menlo College, then on to Menlo College, I was with the Chargers, the Chargers to Baylor, Baylor to Canadian football, Canadian football to XFL, XFL now to IMG, so...
0: <laughs> now, I recently had a conversation with Brian Michael Cooper, who was the president of the uh, the Roughnecks here in Houston. What do you think about the Rock purchasing the XFL? And and do you think, uh, I mean, they talk like they want to bring this back in 2021, maybe in a bubble concept. Not sure exactly how they want to implement that. But what are your thoughts on, on your experience with the XFL and the potential of them coming back?
1: I think it should come back. It, we had some real good football players. Uh, it was giving people, other kids, other, I don't want to call them kids, it was giving other young men an opportunity to play the game they love. It was giving coaches to coach, you know, gave me an opportunity to coach, you know, uh, as far as keep coaching, because I, I love coaching. I love coaching defensive backs. Uh, yeah, sooner or later I'll try to be a coordinator or head coach or something, but I still coach defensive backs. I just love coaching the position. I love doing, and I know I'm using love a lot, but I love taking A kid, a young man, rather, teaching him some tools and see it working on the field.
0: And, of course, with everything going on with football, I do want to ask you about football moving forward. Do you think the NFL can make a season happen under these conditions?
1: I think they can. you you got some smart people there in the NFL. I think they can make a season happen. I think they need to do the social distancing. They need to have the hand sanitizer everywhere. Uh, have, have people wear their masks when they're around each other. Uh, now, the stadiums don't need to be sitting side by side. If they put one person every other seat, or one person every two seats, if they have something like that, then they can have an overflow crowd and have them so in a big screen outside or something like that. You know, they, they they get some people who can think of some creative ideas to have a season. So therefore, even though you you're not in the stadium itself; that you overflow flow crowd, and you're still getting that experience. You know, more like a, a high upscale uh, tailgate. You know. You're still getting the experience of the game.
0: Now, I know that you played at Purdue, and some of the, the conferences, the Big Ten, and of course the Pac-12, have postponed their seasons until the spring. What do you think? I mean, obviously the NFL has a lot of resources and I mean by and large some of the big schools have a lot of resources but what do you, you do you think college football can pull it off this fall?
1: Um I don't know about the fall. I think the spring because with with college football you got so many people coming in from like the pro team's gonna be made within three or four weeks. You're gonna have they're gonna be down to their fifty three men roster. They're gonna go from eighty to fifty three men roster. Whereas the college game, you have the kids interacting with so many different people, so many different athletes on the campus. And you don't know, whether, and you can say that the pro guys, you don't know if they're going home or what they're doing, but hopefully the pro guys are a lot more smarter than, and don't be around a bigger crowd and still wear a mask. But, you know, it's just the interaction of other college kids. That's what I'm afraid of.
0: And now, of course, you come from Louisville. And when I think of Kentucky, and I had to learn how to say Louisville, it's in the, yeah that, and that's i had to learn that from a native uh new uh what Louisvilleian? i don't know what do what do y'all call it? but but <laughs> but yeah i was taught. but so you think of like three things you think of of course uh the kentucky derby you think of bourbon and in louisville you think about muhammad ali talk a little bit about coming from louisville and and what that was like coming from kentucky and, and going to i mean reaching the lofty heights that you have throughout your playing and coaching career
1: It was great. You know, I had a great childhood uh, growing up in Louisville. I, you know, as you mentioned, Muhammad Ali, of course, I wanted to be a boxer. Of course, every kid in the West End of Louisville wanted to be a boxer because of Muhammad Ali. It was boxing and basketball. Those were the two uh, big sports there. You know, basketball because of the University of Louisville had a good team. And, you know, it it was always fighting against the University of Kentucky or IU. Uh, So, Ba- like I said, it's either boxing and basketball. But football was was a second nature sport there. Uh, but I also ran track. I, I like to run track. I, I know. But it was it was a great experience of growing in Louisville because of, as you mentioned, the Kentucky Derby. You know, I went to the Derby almost every year. You know, so it was my mom and dad still live in Louisville, and uh, so it's it's great to have family there, and I go back at times and. You know, it's just a great experience of seeing where I come from to see where I'm at now, and just it's a humbling experience. that Every morning I wake up and I still thank God for the for the, what He has done for me, what He's doing, and what He's
0: going to do for me. Well, a couple more things before we let you get out of here. How did you get involved with with cutting horses? Was that did that happen when you got to Texas, or did you bring that with you?
1: That actually happened when I got to Texas. I, I was I was liking horses so so much. I wanted to get some horses and. A friend of mine, T Talk Ranch, he told me, he said, Well, the best horses you can get besides storebred are quarter horses. You can use them for different things. And he ended up showing me what cutting horses can do, I mean, what horses, quarter horses can do, rather. So they can cut, they can burrow, you know, and then I just started saying different stuff about it. I just fell in love with them. And then that's what him and I did for about three years of following the surfing on the rodeo. You know? one little change here or there, you know? Nothing yeah. big.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, finally, before we let you get out of here, man, as your coaching career is going to continue, uh, do you want to come back to these parts? Do you want to come back to the city of Houston? you want to come back to Texas?
1: Oh, it it would be a uh, dream of mine of mine, to, to coach at one of the uh, schools down there uh, in Houston because I always want to go back to Houston. and I feel like Houston is my... It is it's always going to be my home, not here. Houston is always going to be my home. Of the years that i put there, of the hard work, the blood, sweat, and tears that I have on the payments of Houston City streets. So that's always going to be my home, no matter what. You know, I have kids. My kids still live down there. And uh, just the city of Houston has always embraced me as one of their own, even though I was not. You know from houston everybody always think i'm from texas or from houston but I'm, I'm not i'm from louisville and uh it's just i'm always in the midst of being a houstonian
0: well like i said we certainly appreciate you joining us and i i tell you what once uh football gets back up i'd like to get your take uh maybe we'll visit with you again to get your take on what's going on on the field if we're able to get an nfl season in because uh Man, I tell you, these are some wild times, and you're just not sure how this whole thing is going to go. But we'd certainly like to hear your input, and especially on some of the DBs around the NFL. So maybe we'll get an opportunity to visit again uh, if the NFL can get going.
1: Well, I hope so. And, D, like I said, I'm here for you. When you need me, I'm here. But I hope that the NFL can get going. I think it would be a good uh, source where people can go and uh, debrief from their uh, week catching a good football game somewhere, but also being being safe, you know, keeping yourself six to eight feet apart, wearing your mask, putting your gloves on, doing stuff that the the doctors, doing stuff that the people are saying that can help slow it down, let everyone do their part.
0: I want to thank Chris Dishman for joining us inside of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Looking forward to talking actual football on the field with him if the NFL or when the NFL season continues. So with that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't
2: want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life
0: preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, this time out, hey, it's hard to make an NFL team, and it's even harder if you are undrafted cornerback from Oklahoma State. It's even harder for a lonely free agent cornerback from Oklahoma State to make an NFL roster. Such was the case with Kima Siverand. He is a uh, he's the guy in question. He played for the Seattle Seahawks, and I said past tense, played with the Seattle Seahawks. He was in training camp with the Seahawks, and I guess uh, just like Lenny Williams, sometimes you get lonely, (laughs) and he got lonely, so he made a phone call and uh, had someone, a young lady, dress up like a in Seattle Seahawks gear, dress up in Seahawks gear, and uh, get into the hotel, and he was only caught through surveillance tape, but he snuck a woman into the hotel. They found out, and they cut the young man, and so it goes. And he'll have a tale to tell if he ever tells that tale, but he'll be talked about for years and years and years. This leads to the conversation, but first and foremost, hey, if you weren't going to make the team anyway, you may as well go out with a bang. Unintended. intended. <laughs> so if you're going to go anyway, you might as well go that way because it would have been hard enough to make the team. Maybe he could have made the practice squad. I don't know. I don't know where his status well, stood or with the Seahawks at the time that he was released. But in these days of COVID, It was a perfect situation for Coach Pete Carroll and the Seahawks organization and really for the entire NFL. We're going to serve notice that we're taking COVID serious. We cannot violate protocol. If we're isolated, we have to remain isolated because in reality, they are spending millions and millions and millions of dollars or risking millions and millions and millions of dollars. They're trying to make this money and they cannot make it if there's a mass outbreak of COVID. And it just takes one. It just takes one, and, and it doesn't even have to be irresponsible behavior. But that kind of irresponsible behavior is what's going to ultimately cost the entire NFL a season. I just don't think there's any way that the NFL will move forward. But they're trying, and so did he. He tried to get the woman in there, and this goes back to the story of John Roper. John Roper with the Cowboys. Jimmy Johnson caught him sleeping in a team meeting and cut him. They asked him, they said, well, if this would have been uh, Troy Aikman or uh, Michael Irvin or MSP, I forget which one. He said, well, hey, what, what, what would have happened if you would have caught that player asleep in a meeting? He said, I would have went, gently went over and woke him up. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Same thing here. Had this been Russell Westbrook, uh, Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson falling asleep in a meeting, uh, no, no. He, he wouldn't have been cut. He made, Some of these guys would have been fined, but no, you wouldn't have gotten cut. But because you're a free agent cornerback, Hey, you gotta know your position, and you gotta know that if you do something like this, man, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. again there are a thousand and one ways to get fired from your job but if you're gonna get fired that's a story you can tell who wants to just be fired like cut like every other player we everybody in national media is talking about this guy he will be remembered forever for what he did maybe he'll get another shot down the road i don't know whatever happens i feel for the young man but i hope it was worth it (laughs) i certainly and i certainly hope that that was your girlfriend because if word got out and you had a girlfriend fiance wife and that was not her then you have a whole bunch of other issues but right now you're out of the league you're a big dummy superstar and it's sir notice it served to these guys that you have to take this serious if we're going to get an nfl season with that before i let go
2: before i let-
0: before I go, I want to thank our guest, the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen of the Special Teams Unit, and, of course, our guy, Chris Dishman. want to thank DJ Anarchy. Of course, our sponsor. want to thank you guys. want to thank Purnell for the phone call. want to remind you guys, 832-941-6614 to call 24 hours a day. Tell Kevin Allen what you think of his picks. Also, if you want to comment on Dish or whatever you want to talk about, you certainly can. In addition to that, you can go to the Wade's Word Productions com website and uh, all things are there subscribe to the email list and all of those good things and of course on Facebook the sports talk with Devin Wade page and group and also on Twitter at Wade's word finally remember these four things number one I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening two I ain't got no money three I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice and four five <laughs> This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.